So I think that the principles that I've learned along the way don't just apply to my personal training business and bodybuilding, but just to you know everything in life, and that's what I want to get across to people. Welcome to Seemingly Ordinary. It's a podcast where I interview people who may appear on the surface to be ordinary, but underneath the surface, absolutely are not. Today, I'm speaking with Matt Surface, who took my classes back in the day, back in high school, but now he has turned into a bodybuilder, and I think he's approaching national level of competition and ability. So he is a professional and turning into an even greater professional. He also runs his own business as a full-time personal trainer. I think he told me that he has something like 40 clients right now that he's helping with. Yeah, right now I run between 35 and 40 sessions a week, so that'll be around 15 or 16 clients that I see anywhere from two to four times a week. Yeah, and he's just a great guy. So, hey Matt, how is life treating you? It's going really well. You know, things have been crazy after high school and I feel like I've, you know, been through a lot and you know, had a lot of ups and downs and kind of just starting to find my way and got a lot to talk about. I really want to get into that. And I, I really just kind of want to get into just what type of a kid you were and how you possibly got into this because yeah. you're, you're ripped, you're, you're chiseled from head to toe. And <laughs> yeah. in high school, you were like an athletic, mm-hmm. agile, fit, you know, flexible, coordinated guy. And, and just, you know, I could tell that you worked out and all that. You just look solid. But mm-hmm. just the difference between then and now, it's mm-hmm. just... You know, I mean, just pre-Schwarzenegger or something here that you got going on, you know. So I I totally want to figure out, like, how all of that possibly happened. Mm -hmm. Um, So before we get into your secret origin story as a kid, though, um, what type of a bodybuilder are you exactly? So in bodybuilding, there's three different classes. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. I, I am not. Men's physique, classic physique, and open bodybuilding. And open bodybuilding is what everybody thinks of. When you see the big guys and the small suits hitting their bicep poses on stage, you know, that's maxed out bodybuilding. Okay. My division is... Like the guys wearing the very tiny swimsuits. Right. And they just have muscles stacked upon muscles. Right. Exactly. Okay. Um, Not quite there yet. So I do a division called men's physique where you wear what are called board shorts, which are basically swim trunks. Okay. And... People like to call it like a model with more muscle. Okay. You know, it kind of gets a bad rap, but I think it's a very... You know, I'll call it an aesthetic look, a very clean, very attainable look. Okay. And I just kind of fell in love with it from the start. And, you know, I like, I love the division. And so that's what I compete in. Okay. So kind of as a comparison, uh, I'm just reaching for comparisons, but I, I'm thinking of Tony Horton from P90X, who mm-hmm. always kind of wanted to promote a, a muscular, but also light and flexible look. Like he did not want to look like a guy who had so many muscles that he couldn't move. Right. Yeah. That's essentially what you go for with, you know, attention to detail and what the judges look for. So you've got, you know, wide shoulders, chest, you know, a V taper where your waist is significantly smaller than your shoulders. Everything can proportion from the front to the back, to the legs, to the upper body, right arm to left arm, delts to chest, back to arms. Everything is in proportion as well as then you got to take in, you know, your posing, your stage presence, you know, how you move on stage, how you portray yourself, your confidence level, you know, even down to like your smile and your tan and everything like that. And so it's that just 
a little bit more extreme. It's treating you know your body as your full time job, basically. Okay, I, I know a little bit about this because I, I read Arnold Schwarzenegger's autobiography. It was mm-hmm. called Total Recall. Yeah, uh, I read that twice actually, and uh, it, that was just a whole aspect of the whole Mr. Olympia thing that I I didn't even know about until I read the book, mm-hmm. which was I, I thought it was just muscles. Mm-hmm. And he said no, that there was a whole lot on posing, stage presence, yes. um, personality, yes. just Absolutely. all that. I just never would have guessed that. And so here, I guess you're telling me the same thing. Absolutely. You know, for example, my coach always says he's a real smaller guy, but he does the open bodybuilding division. But because he's a smaller guy, he works on his conditioning, which is, you know, how lean he'll get, how his muscles look, how the symmetry is, how his proportions are. He'll work on his posing a lot and he'll work on his confidence on stage and he'll take out guys that weigh 50 pounds heavier than he does. At the end of the day, yeah, it is like a muscle contest. Yeah. You know, who's got the biggest muscles. Right. But when everyone's got the biggest muscles, then what do you look for after that? Okay, right. Now let's see who has the best posing. Okay, they're both great posers. Okay, now let's see, you know, who has the best hair. <laughs> right, know, right, right, right. And, and then it almost gets into like being a, a muscle beauty contest at the end, which is kind of funny, but... Did you know that going in? Not at all. That was okay. the one thing I was not prepared for. It was my very first show. I got out there and I just pretended like I was in front of my mirror and I was like, I just hit a front pose and I was like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm just going to stand here with my shirt off and hope I do well. <laughs> and you then know? I got back and you know I got back in line to do the comparisons and I just kind of stood there and I didn't know what to do with my hands. And I was just like standing there and it was two, three minutes go by and I was like, okay. I don't know what to do. <laughs> In all honesty, for me, that would have been kind of like an oh crap moment that that bit. I thought, oh, hey, I've been lifting weights for several years. I've been watching my diet. Mm-hmm. I've been turning things down that everybody else is doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm foregoing social opportunities. Uh, just I'm making all kinds of sacrifices. Mm-hmm. And uh, now all of a sudden you're telling me that there's like 10 other requirements to this yeah, thing. It doesn't stop. And I've learned a million things since then and I have a million and one more things to learn. Okay. You know? So that's why I still have coaches. There's always somebody smarter than you and you continually have to be a student of the game because as soon as you stop learning, that's when you lose. That's okay. That's when you're just done. Yeah. That's when you're done. Okay. Well, let's kind of get into your secret origin story. Mm-hmm. Uh, what type of a kid were you? So in high school, yeah, like you said, I was just a little more slender, kind uh-huh. of athletic looking. I wouldn't call myself super athletic, but uh-huh. you know, I did play golf. Um, that took a little bit of flexibility, conditioning, everything like that. So I was in the weight room here and there. Um, I got into fitness in high school because of the football team. I saw the guys on the football team and I was like, oh, they're big. That must be how you gain muscle. And so I texted my friend Bryce and I was like, hey, you have a car. Can you take me to weights in the morning? And he was like, what? <laughs> and I was like, trust me, I want to do it. He's like, okay. Because so, you did not play football? I played for one you semester. Played. Okay, got yeah. it. And uh, then I actually stopped playing because I wanted to work out more often. And they didn't work out a lot during the, during the season, you know? No, no, I guess they don't. I don't know how it's much they football. work out. I don't yeah. know if they work out one hour a day during the off season. You really don't have time to even work out daily because it's practices, it's drills, it's camps, it's... You know, all kinds of stuff. It's film, and when you're not doing that, you're tired. I, it is a lot <laughs> of hours a week. I mean, so, one time I tried to add it up, and I don't know. I thought it was minimum of two mm-hmm. hours a day, six yeah. days a week. Mm-hmm. I think that's a pretty light week. In in the off-season, yes. It's okay. a lot of strength training. Yeah. Um, but yeah, other than that, you know, outside of the fitness realm in high school, just tried to talk to everybody, and I was a victim of just trying to do what I thought everyone else wanted. 
and what everyone else thought was cool, which if there's one thing I'll say to anybody at not even St. James, but just under 18, that's not the way to go. Right, right. Well, it's, it's, go ahead, sorry. Yeah, I was just going to say, start doing exactly what you want to do and being the kind of person that you want to be, regardless of what other people think, as soon as you possibly can. You know, and that's, that's tough. I'm just thinking about this in terms of the fitness thing, because... You know, here's kind of, I think, I think this is a pretty typical story. Uh, this probably applies to me and to other people. Um, you decide, hey, I want to put myself on a better fitness track. Mm-hmm. And so maybe you lift weights that afternoon. And then that evening you go out with Fritz. Mm-hmm. And then what do they want to do right off the bat? Uh, they probably want to get some junk food. Exactly. Uh, maybe they want to drink some alcohol, exactly. something like that. Yeah. I, the challenge, the emotional or psychological challenge comes within four or five hours Mm -hmm. of the initial commitment. I mean, you just decided, Hey, I'm going to be myself. I'm Mm -hmm. a workout. I'm a workout junkie. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't want to do all these other things. You ever heard the analogy of the crabs in the bucket? And vaguely go ahead. Remind me. Basically, if you put a bunch of crabs into a bucket, they'll all start to crawl on top of each other and they're just kind of freaking out going, what's going on? Why are we in this bucket? And then one crab will start to try to get over the other ones and crawl out to the top. And you see every other crab go, no, you can't do that. And they'll pull him back down. Oh, the my gosh. And that crab that's trying to get out of the bucket is basically that little kid that's like, hey, you know, I want to be myself. I want to do what I want to do. I want to go find myself. And I want to be more than what I think I can be. And so he'll get that, try to get out of the bucket. And all his friends are like, no, 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 no. You can't do that. You can't do that. Because they're afraid to do it themselves. I love it. Did you run into any flack from anybody from deciding, hey, one semester of football was enough? Because, I mean, you're a pretty athletic mm-hmm. guy. Maybe they thought you could have been of use to the team. A little bit, yeah. Um, you know, playing one, you know, doing one thing and then quitting right off the bat, you're always going to get a little bit of negative feedback. But, uh, you know, I had my reasons for doing it, and, you know, I tried to stay true to that. Um, and, you know, I wasn't a phenom by any means. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I was, you know, I played left bench on JV, basically. So <laughs> <laughs> people weren't like, oh, man, we lost a good one. They were like, oh, where's Matt? Now <laughs> who's quit, now know? who's gonna hold down the bench? Yeah, I tried to stick my glove in my helmet during the games. <laughs> oh jeez. <laughs> so. Okay, that's pretty funny. So you were working out. When did you start working out? Three times a day. Uh, pretty much like as soon as I started that summer. It was the summer of 2015. Um, and how old were you? Uh, 15 or 16. 15 or 16. Yeah. And you're working out three times a day. Yeah, which, because I just got addicted to it, you know? Okay. Like, I went to the football weights, and I was like, oh, this feels good. And I found out about, you know, different supplements I can take from neighbors and people, you know, the proteins and the pre-workouts, and I'm like, oh, this is cool. Like, this makes me feel awesome. And I found, like, rock music, and I was like, oh, wow, this makes me feel great, and I got addicted to it instantly. So I'd go to football weights at 6.30 in the morning, as a lot of the kids in high school are. Right. You know, they they do the summer weights. Yeah, they, they have to be there. It's required. Yeah. And then my family was members at a country club that had a gym. So then I would get off of that. I would go home and play video games for a couple hours. And okay. I would just go straight to the country club gym. And I would work out there. And I remember, like, I was telling the story to a client today. He's 17. I get to train him. And I think that's awesome. Yeah. Because, you know, I get to instill in him the habits that I've learned and, you know, give him a head start. But I was telling the story about how I saw all my friends at the pool, you know, all the kids in my class were at the pool and they were even calling me going, what are you doing in the gym? We worked out this morning. Get down here. I was like, sorry, you know, I got to work out. Like, I got to work out. I got to keep going. I got to progress. I got to keep going. And, you know, so I would skip the pool and then I'll go home, eat a little bit, rest. And then I would do like bodyweight workouts in my room. You know, I had a pull-up bar, so I would do dips and pull-ups and push-ups and 
I had like 10 pound dumbbells and I would just curl them like as many times as I could before I went to bed. Oh my gosh. And you know, just all day, every day I couldn't stop. You know, I was just like, I got to progress. I got to progress. Cause I didn't know anything else to do. I was like, just lift. Okay. Well, and, and did you progress? A little bit. Yeah. So okay. in the beginning, you know, when you shock your muscles like that in the yeah. beginning, you're going to see a lot of progress and you're going to take off, but it's okay. quickly going to level out. Yeah. You're going to plateau. Exactly. Okay. So then you maybe started the plateau and uh, that could be a little frustrating because, mm-hmm. Hey, you're working very hard and you're just maintaining. That's it. How do you bust past uh, plateau? You learn new things about nutrition, supplementation, new training styles. You learn how to increase volume, decrease volume. You learn what you should eat, when you should eat it. And I did not learn that until about six years into working out. Oh, okay. I can tell you that I did, but I did not. You know, I would just go to drink as much chocolate milk as I could and eat Uh like random burgers and stuff and just whatever I wanted. And I remember some coaches telling me, go eat peanut butter and jellies after you work out. And I'm like, okay. And so I'd sit and I'd eat Yeah, it sounds good. Sounds great. Before I went to bed. It's all sugar, just so people know. Exactly. You know, yeah, don't do that. This is not advice. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) This is what not to do. Yeah. So, you know, it wasn't until about six years in when I hired uh, two coaches. One of them is currently a professional bodybuilder. Okay. And the other one is the owner of the gym that I train at. Oh, okay. Um, Okay. So they've been coaching me for almost three years now. Okay. It wasn't until I got on with them when I was like, oh, there's a lot more to this. A lot more to this than just lifting weights. Yeah. I would say that I haven't started seriously bodybuilding until about a year ago. About a year ago. And I've been working out for seven or eight years. Okay. And I haven't been doing it to the best of my ability till about a year ago. Okay. Yeah. Because now you're starting to maximize, I guess, uh, every facet of Mm -hmm. this. You're maximizing nutrition and sleep and we'll kind of get into all that, but Let's go back to being a kid. When do you feel like you just first got this idea, hey, I want to be a bodybuilder? I don't know. Like sometimes people are as young as five or 10 years old and it just hits them what they want to do. Yeah. It's funny because I remember when I got into working out, my dad, my dad is one of my best friends. He's the most supportive person in my entire life. Would not be here without him. And he was like, oh, you like this working out stuff a lot, don't you? And I was like, yeah. He goes... Well, if you want to get into like bodybuilding and stuff, I have a friend. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I never said bodybuilding. I don't do that. That's weird. I don't want to ever do that in my life. I will never do that. That's really weird. Workout. (laughs) Yes. Bodybuilding. I was like, I just like lifting. Okay. Okay. Don't get into bodybuilding. And then um, I started following somebody on social media and YouTube and uh, his name was Christian Guzman. And he just kind of like posted about fitness. Like, hey, this is what I do in a day. This is my workout. This is my nutrition. And then he was like, this is what it looks like to prepare for a show. And I followed that. And I was like, that's kind of cool. And then he built himself up to where he hosted his own bodybuilding show. Oh. And I was like, okay, that seems like a good start. It's like, Because huh. I got a little bit more serious at that point. I was a freshman in college at this point. Okay. So I was 18 or 19. And so I was like, I'm going to sign up for it. And I remember I wrote down on a sticky note, I will compete in the Summer Shooting Classic on June 15th. And I stuck it up on my uh, desk. And every day I just tried to learn a little bit more. And I took myself to that show, got dead last, and I stepped off that stage and I was like, that was the coolest thing I've ever done in my life. I want to do that again as soon as possible. Signed up for another show eight weeks later. I was like, I got to do this again. Dead last in that show. And I was like, I want to do it again. (laughs) And I just kept going from there. And so that's how I got into it because I just absolutely fell in love with it. The people around were so motivating. Everybody was so inspiring. And just to see all these people you know, doing the same thing. I was like, I found my people. 
Jeez. I, I finally wasn't being judged for what I was doing. Your dad just must really have had an amazing insight into you then. He just must still have really, does. really see something that, okay, still does. So to this day, he tells me stuff about myself that I don't even know. Okay. Like, You're kind of like, where did that come <laughs> yeah. from or whatever? Yeah, he can see right through me. Okay. So as a kid, what were your other hobbies and things like that other than bodybuilding? Just to give people kind of a full rounded picture. It was basically my family is all golfers. Okay. And it basically, you know, from, you know, a toddler, they're like, you're going to be a golfer because we're all golfers. Okay. Everybody played in college. Okay. You know, some have tried to play professionally, some have, and we golf. That's it. Okay. And I'm like, okay. And so I joined the golf team and I played golf for eight to 10 hours a day. You and did? That's all I knew. Okay. Because they told me I liked it. So I was like, okay, I like this. Okay. And I mean, and did you like it? Yeah, it was great, you know, because, okay. you know, when you do something your whole life, you know, you're not going to do it and resent it, you know, you're going to like it to a certain extent. And, you know, I got a scholarship to play in college. And you did? Oh, yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, yeah. That's right. That's a great. little tiny school in western Kansas that was smaller than St. James. Oh, my gosh. And, uh, yeah, didn't end up going there. I went to KU instead. But, yeah, that was, a, you know, that was my life in high school was playing golf, uh, growing out my long hair, playing guitar, <laughs> computer games, uh, skateboarding a little bit. You know, it was, it was very drastically different. You know, this sounds very, very fun. Like, you just had a very fun time. Yeah, no, I loved high school. It was, you know, some of the best years. I best years. really enjoyed okay. it. I would do it again. Okay, <laughs> jobs. What what jobs did you have during this in time? In high school? Yeah. Typical high school jobs, restaurants. Um, and then I got into working like a little bit more manual labor. Okay. Which was absolutely terrible. Really? But I would make sure that every kid does it because you learn a lot working manual labor. What did you do? Um, I worked on a farm for okay. about two years. Okay. And Max Yates. Yeah. I remember he texted me one day. He was like, hey, this friend of mine needs help in his hayfield. And I was like, all right, that sounds interesting. Okay. I've done and that. I've oh worked in hayfields. It was the hardest work I've ever done in my life. I'm sure you can. Well, I mean, the, the bales are pretty doggone heavy. Yeah, they and were 40, might, 50 pounds. And, you know, you're trying to throw them up real high onto the trailer. And then and you're running hot. around the hayfield. And yeah. you're stacking them in the barn. And inside the barn, it's basically like being in a microwave. It is. <laughs> I mean, the, the worst... Outside. The worst day I think I did it was, I don't know, just these stories probably get foggy in a person's memory, but I was thinking it had to have been 100 degrees outside, mm -hmm. which probably made it 10 or 20 degrees hotter in the barn. Oh, yeah. And it's like yeah. we would, I, I was in the barn unloading things and, mm -hmm. you know, it's hot and stuffy and you sweat so much and then you have hay particles that just get stuck to your mm -hmm. face. And your arms are all scratched up. Yeah. And, you you yeah. walk out and you look like the Yeti because you're just like absolutely covered <laughs> yeah. with hay particles. Yeah. Then I would drink usually one or two glasses of water after every one of these loads. Never have to use the restroom because I was you just sweat sweating it out. Yep. Just absolutely sweating it out mm -hmm. the whole time. You go for 12 hours throwing hay. Yeah. You never go to the bathroom. Yeah. And you drank two gallons of water. Yeah. And, yeah. and I thought it was great because I'm like, hey, I grew up in a small town and this is what we do. We do farm jobs. I was like, and cool, $9 an hour. I just got a check. Awesome. I'm yeah. going home and I'm yeah. going to cash it out. Yeah. You know, so, well, worth it. Yeah. Of course, uh, inflation adjusted, maybe it was $9 an hour. I don't yeah. know. But okay. Um, so, college. What was college like for you then? So I joined a fraternity okay. right into college. Okay. Stayed for about two and a half weeks and drove home as fast as I could. Really? <laughs> it was not my style, you know? Well, okay, I don't know. I just, I, I feel like I could guess. I'm just guessing that, okay, bodybuilding lifestyle, fitness, being in excellent shape, 
maybe doesn't go with some of the fraternity lifestyle. To put it bluntly, I would get beer cans thrown at me on the way to the gym <laughs> and get made fun of. Like, I'm not even kidding. And it was very, very, very judgmental because they want you to be exactly like the rest of them. Okay. And if you have an interest at all or if you go outside of the path, you get put right back on track very aggressively. You're that crab in the bucket. Yep, they pull you back in. Okay. That's a good, good comparison. Oh, and, my uh, gosh. So, yeah, I went back home, did college from home for a little bit, and then I moved into the dorm room. Okay. And in the dorm room is when I kind of was like, okay, I'm alone for the first time. Okay. You know, I got a roommate, but we stayed to ourselves. You know, he gotcha. was cool. You know, he was all right. He stood to himself. I stayed to my side of the room. That's when I started to make YouTube videos and oh. post on Instagram. Okay, do you have a YouTube channel? I do. What's I your do. channel? Just so people can look it's it up. It's just my name, you know, Matt Surface. You okay. Know, I try to post on there whenever I can. Um, okay. There's a lot of videos from my days in college, and then there's a few after the fact. You know, I need to make more because, you know, I feel like I have a lot more valuable information okay. now, so I will be posting more on that. And your Instagram is? Uh, Surface.physique. Got it. Got it. Okay, so, so kind of getting back to college, you had a roommate, you yeah. guys kind of went your own separate... We were cool. Yeah, okay. he was a great guy, and uh, you know, I say he's a great guy, and then he ended up getting kicked out at the end of the semester what? from the dorms because he got arrested like four times. Okay. <laughs> so they okay. were like, leave, please. <laughs> he had and the then, potential to be a great guy. Yeah, he's actually student body president now, and, the oh. pres- and he built his own fraternity. Oh So he gosh. really turned his life around Okay. that, okay. which is just the funniest story. But, yeah, uh, that's weird. You know, then when I had the room all to myself, I was like, oh, now I can really get into it. Okay. So I started getting more and more into bodybuilding, more into filming. Um, and, you know, I, my majors, I started as business, left that really quick. Then I did exercise science because I was like, I'm into fitness. This is what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. I did one semester of exercise science. I did the basics. It was okay. Okay. And then my third semester of college is where it kind of all changed. Moved into a house. By the state, by the football stadium at KU for the first time with a couple of guys, and failed every single class I took. What? Not because I was dumb. I, I like to think I'm not dumb. You were you were <laughs> working out ten hours a day and you didn't study anything. Exactly. I would be going home to like I would make my meals. I'd be like, okay, I gotta film this video. I gotta meal prep. I'm getting ready for a show. Um, I can't miss this meal, so I'd be walking to class eating like shrimp or chicken and rice, uh-huh. and people would be looking at me like, who is this dude? And I'm eating out of Tupperware, like walking to class, and then right. I go to class, I'm not paying attention, and instead I'm editing a YouTube video, and I go leave class, and instead of doing homework, I would go to the gym, and then I'd come home, instead of doing homework, I'd make my meals for the next day. Holy cow. Then, I just stopped going to class because I got a job at a place called Supplement Superstores. Okay. And that job was cool because they, I learned more about business and life from that job in a year than I did the past 18 years of my life. Yeah. It was awesome. The mentors that they have there are incredible. They paid for my personal training certification. Oh my gosh. Fitness nutrition. They ran me through their own course, which was called the SSPSE. It was like sports supplements and professional services. Okay. And to work there, you have to take a test that's 185 essay questions. Essay yes. questions. Took me 11 hours, and I wrote 50 pages front and back. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, in one sitting. Holy cow. About four energy drinks later, my thumb has a pulse, and I was like... <laughs> you know, you have to have an iron butt to, like, yeah. sit in a chair that long. It was like one of those little plastic chairs, like, you would, like in a high school classroom, 
And it was squeak, 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 and you're sitting there for 11 oh, hours just writing, writing, writing. Gosh. And each answer, you know, was anywhere from seven to 10 sentences long, and there's 185 questions. Oh. And so. I can't even imagine. You learn a lot. <laughs> they yeah. Teach you a lot. And then. So you learned about every supplements and everything I out there. I more about supplements than I need to. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Okay. As, there's so much information out there, but it's all really cool to me, and it has helped me a lot growing my personal training business. So I get that job, and I end up leaving college because the job was going really well. And okay. so I took a year off, did that. And then after about 11 months at that job, this owner of a gym approached me that I was going to because I had been giving him ideas on how to grow his business. Okay. Um, on the side. And he was like, and you know, my dream had always been to open my own gym. Okay. And he was like, how do you feel about running this place? And I was like, that sounds like a dream. And he built up this job and it was gonna be amazing and I was gonna run this gym and it was gonna be incredible. And so I left supplement superstores and I started managing this gym and it was a train wreck. It was gone. I was the janitor basically. Oh, that's what he means by running the place. Yeah. I got no training, no task list, no nothing. He just put me in the gym and pressed start. And I was like, all I know what to do is clean. (laughs) I, I created a membership event where, you know, I did giveaways and challenges and like potluck and I brought all the members together and did a party. And I tried to do that, and, you know, I set up, like, a third-party email company, sent out newsletters and stuff. So I did all the, you know, the kind of, like, managing stuff. Yeah, okay. And I tried to build up my personal training business there. I think I maybe got to three clients at most. I was doing, like, four sessions a week. Oh, wow. And on the side, being, like, the manager. Okay. Um, and then that job kind of ran its course after a couple of months. And I was like, well, I guess I'll go back to KU. So I go back to KU, I get a job as a personal trainer at the REC. Okay. Uh, the REC at KU. Yeah. And that goes great, and I do that for a year, not a year, about a semester uh-huh. again. And then I do a summer semester where I live in Lawrence, and you know, really getting into bodybuilding and doing these online classes. And then this last semester, I was doing it and kind of started to fall out of love with the whole college thing again. Okay. Because I fell even deeper in love with personal training and bodybuilding. Wow. It was such a passion of mine that I couldn't ignore it. The fact that you don't burn out on this is probably just a big mystery to people. Since December, I've been training people for about 13 hours a day. 13 hours a day. Mm -hmm. And just can't, can't get enough of it. Right. And, you know, all the while doing a full-time job of being a national-level bodybuilder, getting ready for a show, trying to go pro. Okay. At least all of your life is working together in synchronicity. It is. I've kind of built it up to where it all works together. It all compounds. It all builds off of each other. And one thing helps the other. And so... Yeah. So, okay. So then you're back at KU. You're not in love with school. You're doing personal training and bodybuilding 13 hours a day. Yeah. So I started building the business because the way my business runs is my coach was like, Hey, you pay me this monthly fee to rent out this space as your home office, basically. Uh Uh-huh. And here's the key. Go. This is your business. Okay. I'm not your boss. This is a place you rent out. So that's why it's considered my business because I handle everything from finances to marketing, to scheduling, taxes, uh, everything. Okay. Yeah. He's not doing anything other than renting you some space. Right. He built the gym and I rented the space. Got it. Um, and yeah, so I started not having time for those classes. I couldn't, I didn't open my laptop for two weeks. And then I did, and I had like 150 blackboard notifications. <laughs> my teachers were like, where are you? This isn't like you, are you dead? And I was like, no, I swear, I just opened a business. And they're like, oh. Oh. <laughs> and 
And then so, they're like, I wish I could do that. Right. And so that semester, again, kind of tanked. Okay. And left again. And then really put everything I had into the personal training business. And it took off faster than I wanted it to. Oh. And I was swamped. Like the business just exploded. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can really do this. Like how many this, clients and how many hours a week? So, like I said, I'm training about 40 hours a 40. week. 40. Uh, you know, a typical day for me would be a client at 6.30, 7.30, 9, 11, 12, 3, 5, and 6. Wow. Every day. And somewhere wow. in there I get my workout in and every single time I have a break, you know, I'm on a six, meal, six meals a day plan. Yeah. And so, you know, you wake up, eat, client, client, eat, client, you know, train, post-workout, client, client, eat, client, client, eat, meal prep, go to bed. It's awesome. Every single day. And so, you know, it just kind of... And that's where it's at now. Yeah, that's kind of where it's at now. And it just took off. And, you know, I was able to move out of my dad's house. I bought my own apartment. Um, I'm moving into an apart- a one-bedroom apartment with my girlfriend here in the next, like, month or two. I uh, just bought my first car. Um, everything like that. And I just kind of left and everything blew up. And my parents were finally like, okay, this is what you were trying to do. And I was like, yep. So this whole, like everything leading up to now, like I have been putting in the work since I was 15. Yeah. And I am just now reaping the benefits. And and you are 22? Yes. Okay. I am just now reaping the benefits from everything I started when I was 15. Because I haven't stopped. It has been the one thing in my life that's been consistent through everything I've been through up until now, this one thing has been consistent, haven't stopped, and I'm just now seeing the compound interest that I'm receiving off of, you know, being disciplined for the last seven years. It's amazing because that's basically a third of your life. That's seven mm-hmm. years out of 22. Right. The thing that I really want to ask is, what is driving you toward this in the first place? Like if God came down and said, why are you doing this? What would you say? Because, you know, what has been driving me, I heard this speech about three years ago, and that's when it kind of changed everything. It was by a guy named Andy Andrews. Okay. And it was called The Seven Decisions. And in The Seven Decisions, one of the things he talked about was a speech on the topic of burn the boats. Have you ever heard that? I've heard the burn the boats thing, which you can tell the story. Go ahead. Yeah. Basically, the short story is, There was this treasure on an island, and it was the greatest treasure the world had ever seen. And this guy, Hernando Hernando Cortez. I don't don't know the names of the characters. I think it was Hernando Cortez, so we'll call him Cortez. He was like, okay, I want this treasure. I'm going to get an army, and I'm going to tell them all about this treasure, and I'm going to hype it up and tell them how great their lives are going to be if they take this treasure, and then we're going to go and get it. And so he takes his people, and then they sail there. And they get to the island, and then... He gathers them all up, and he says, burn the boats. And they're like, hmm? And (laughs) he's like, burn the boats. If we're going home, we're taking their boats. And so it's either take the treasure or die. Right. They had no choice. Total commitment. And it was funny because he says, and the great thing happened. They fought well. (laughs) They did well. You know, take it, die. Well, I guess we'll take it. Given those (laughs) two options, I guess this is what we're going to do. So you heard this story and then that just drove you? It just made you realize? It drove me because I realized that 
there was a lot of things in my life like, you know, I wanted to get the degree because it felt safe and I wanted to stay at home because it felt safe and, you know, I could do this and other people would give me money to work for them and I could just, you know, live off of other people. And, you know, I just didn't want that. One of the biggest things that I learned at S2 was how to be uncomfortable and how to want more from your own life and how to, you know... Like you, we were just talking about that book, Discipline Equals Freedom. Yeah, by uh, Jocko, Jocko Willink. Yeah, Jocko Willink. And uh, I wanted to be free. You know, I wanted to be free to live my life however I wanted to live it. I wanted to be my own boss, and I wanted to do what made me happy. People were like, oh, well, you're going to burn out. I like, I'm going to burn out sitting at a desk for sure. Oh, yeah, that's a good I'd point. I'd rather be doing what I want to do with my life. And, you know, at the end of the day, know that I listened to my heart, and I did what I wanted to do. And I did what I was passionate about and took it to the absolute extreme. And if I fail, you know, at least I tried, you know. You know, you mentioned this word uncomfortable. And I've just been kind of thinking about this a little bit lately. Some people will say things that like uh, the degree to get that you get what you want is based on how uncomfortable you're Mm -hmm. willing to be. Um, And then you could also say fear, Mm -hmm. you know, that a lot of people are basically afraid uh, you mentioned a number of things people might be afraid of. What if I don't have a steady paycheck? Mm-hmm. What if I don't have an employer yeah. who's telling me what to do? What if I have to make my own decisions instead of just kind of go down the path that other people are going down, mm-hmm. for example, college? Yeah. Um, but the thing is, what do we want? Do we want to be free or do we want to be safe? Mm-hmm. I want to be free and I want to know that I you know, did the work and I built myself up and I made it on my own. And, you know, that's pretty much it. I want, you know, I want to continue doing what I'm passionate about. I know what I want to do and I've known what I wanted to do since I was 15 and I'm going to work 110% and I'm going to give everything I got to every single day, my best effort in order to get there. And because that's the most, I think that's the most stable thing that you can do is to, you know, listen to your own heart and, you know, figure Mm. out what you're passionate about. Because at the end of the day, that's the only thing that matters. You know, I, I think you got a point because other people pointed out that nothing in life is really insured no, or guaranteed no. in the first place. Like you think, oh, hey, that's a stable, steady job. Mm-hmm. It is right up until the company goes bankrupt. Exactly. Yeah. You know, or I don't rely on anybody else. Yeah. I trust myself. And I know that if I burn, I don't I want to say like burn bridges and uh-huh. cut things off. But like if I give myself no choice but to succeed, then I'm going to trust myself. And I'm going to become an extremely disciplined, highly effective person. And that is the most attractive thing to me is being, you know, disciplined and you know, living every day, you know, on your own terms and knowing that if you don't give it the best that you have, you're not going to succeed. So you got to wake up every day and absolutely just fight and fight and fight and grind to get to where you want to be, not just go and clock in, you know? I love it. Hey, let's try a few scenarios then. Mm -hmm. Um, And then after that, I'd like to ask you maybe who your typical customer Mm -hmm. is. But but, uh, just because you have 40 of them right now and you probably helped a lot Mm -hmm. more people than that. So I just have about three or four of these. Um, So a 17-year-old guy comes to you and he wants to gain a lot more muscle because he wants to start in, you know, hey, you pick the sport. Could be football, Mm -hmm. could be wrestling. You you Mm -hmm. can pick. Mm -hmm. 17-year-old guy wants to build more muscle. So a perfect example of that would be, right now I have two clients, like I said, I have a 17-year-old client okay. who is pretty much a carbon copy of me in high school. Okay. He looks like me, same hair, same build, 
And then I have a 13 or 14 year old uh, who wants to play football. And with these two guys, the biggest thing was getting them to learn how to use their body. Okay. No bodily control. You know, they had bodies like Gumby. They just kind of like flail around. Okay. Like the wacky waving flatable and two men. When you play with two men, you see outside of used car dealerships. That's kind of <laughs> how they worked out. So we did very basic exercises on a lot of machines and just got them to know what it's like to use their muscle fibers and recognize, okay, if it's this much weight, this is how hard I should push. Oh, the weight's lighter, I'm going to push a little bit less. The weight's heavier, I'm going to push a little bit harder. So first, it's you know developing the mind and muscle connection and figuring out how to use their body and getting a little bit more coordinated. Then you move into a little bit of heavier weight training. You start introducing things like dumbbells and barbells to where they have to use stabilizer muscles. Then they get those stabilizer muscles going and after about you know six to eight weeks of this, then it takes off. And I'm seeing that with both of my clients right now. Like you know, a couple weeks ago, they were on machines, maybe a few dumbbells here and there, and they were kind of getting used to it. And then we started into the compound lifts is what those are called. Okay. And things like five by five, where you increase the weight every single time. So say it's a bench press. You go, you know, you put 25s on each side and you do five reps, explosive. Then you put 35s on and you do five reps. Then you put 45s on and you do five reps. And then the next week, you start with the 35, and then a 45, and then 55 pounds. And then the next week, you just start higher and higher. So you're increasing your compound lifts, your ability to move the weight, and your muscle fibers have to adapt quickly because you're asking it to lift more and more weight every week. But the most important thing about all of that, that means absolutely nothing if they go home and they play video games and sit on the couch. They gotta go home and they gotta recover. I was talking to my guy about this today. He said, what do you think about me working out twice a day? And I said, don't do it. And he was like, why? I go, the second you end this workout, you go home, you have quick digesting carbs, to restore your muscle glycogen, and then you have a quick digesting protein to help repair the muscle tissue that you just broke down in here. So now, you're gonna fill up your muscle glycogen stores as much as you possibly can and fill it up with good, you know, rice, pasta, potatoes, you know, turkey, beef, chicken, okay. avocados, nuts, everything like that. You fill up those glycogen stores, you come back in here, we kill it again, and you deplete those glycogen stores and you tear your muscle down, then you go recover. And that's where the nutrition comes in. Because you have to, Start preparing for the next workout as soon as the first one ends. Gotcha. You're kind of working on your workout 24 hours a day. Exactly. It's a full-time job if you want to make if you want to maximize those gains and build the significant muscle tissue. Because when you're 17, you can kill it in the gym. And then you can go home and you can eat everything in sight. Right. And you're gonna get really strong. Yeah. With not a lot of consequences. Your joints aren't going to hurt. You're not going to gain excess fat. You know, you're going to do pretty well. Yeah, it's great. I mean, you can just eat junk food. You could treat yourself yeah. like a garbage disposal. Yeah. And if you switch that for filling yourself up with like, you know, an example of one of my meals, and I'll run you through my full day of eating. Okay. I have a shake in the morning, which is two packets of oats, three tablespoons of peanut butter, three scoops of a low temperature processed protein powder, 12 ounces of a high-protein milk called Fairlife Milk. Okay. That's meal one, three, and five. Okay. And then meals two and four, I have three cups of jasmine rice. Okay. And nine ounces of a lean ground sirloin. Okay. So if you do that instead of, you know, a hamburger and then a Pop-Tart and then something your mom made and then Taco Bell with your boys, you know, if you replace that for beef, rice, oatmeal, protein, eggs. Okay. Your body's going to look a lot different. And you're going to Are you just going to be more different. cut, more ripped? 
you are going to have a lot leaner muscle tissue. You're going to feel better. You're going to get stronger in your workouts. You can fill yourself up with that, you know. Even as a high food. school, you're going to feel better. Oh, absolutely. Because I, I yeah. don't know, I think the cliche about people, say, under the age of 30, is that you have a metabolic free ride, mm -hmm. that you can just pour any sort of toxic waste into your body with no consequences whatsoever. And yeah. in terms of, like, aching joints, you don't really get health problems until sometime past 30. That's kind of the cliche. Yeah. Yeah. But you're saying basically, no, even as a teenager. Mm -hmm. To a certain extent, yeah. You can cheat a little bit. Yeah. You know, you can have, you know, your Taco Bell, your McDonald's here and there and, you know, oh, your mom made dinner and you're just going to eat that instead of uh -huh. whatever. But, you know, it's because that's all that they're familiar with. If you take a 17-year-old and you put him on like a three-month diet of beef, rice, chicken, oatmeal... And then at the end of the three months, he goes and eats McDonald's. He's going to go, oh, why do I feel like okay. this? Okay. My body's used to, like, good stuff. So if you treat your – if you, like, learn how to eat those good foods and learn those discipline habits of, like, you know, what you put in your mouth matters, you know, what you eat matters, then you're going to feel a lot better because originally, you know, high schoolers don't know what it feels like. No, to no, they don't. A regimented diet. No, and they, they're just on what they call, of course, SAD, the standard American yeah, diet, yeah. you know. Um that's really pretty amazing, and actually I find that really encouraging to think that a 17-year-old can feel tremendously better six months later, mm -hmm. even if he thought he, was, he or she was mm -hmm. you know, feeling pretty good right now. That's yeah. kind of amazing. Yeah, no, you can feel even better. You can maximize your performance. You can always be doing something better. Okay. You know, that is the idea behind you know, just fitness in general. You can yeah. always be doing something better. It's as yeah. soon as people are like, oh, this is the best thing to do. Oh, this is what you should do. No, you can always be learning and you can always be doing better. I think that's true because when I was running marathons, I ultimately ran something like 51 marathons mm -hmm. and I was always like on a quest to run a faster marathon and here I was in my mid-40s and just wondering, is this even possible, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But actually I was running pretty faster marathons, but I, I ran across this one health statement, which I just thought was really powerful. This guy was advocating eating a very clean diet. Mm -hmm. And he said, I'm going to prove to you that this actually makes a difference. He said, try it my way for like six to eight weeks. Like just eat this very, very clean, a balanced, clean diet, natural, yeah. Yeah. like, a, yeah, just nothing artificial, etc. Mm -hmm. And uh, then he said, after two months of this, then I want you to go out and treat yourself to as much junk food as you possibly can. So like, hey, if you want to go out there and get a whole bunch of, I don't know, food with MSG and wash it down with a bunch of alcohol, mm -hmm. uh, follow it up with some Twinkies and all the rest of that. Uh, and then the next day when you wake up and every muscle in your body hurts and mm -hmm. your joint hurts and your head hurts, and your stomach and yeah, everything. then you oh. will realize, yeah. okay, this is what I've been doing to myself mm -hmm. for 20, 25 years yeah. or so. And that would be an eye opener for people. Yeah. So I'm at the point where if I forget to take a multivitamin in the morning, okay. I feel it by three o'clock. You, you drag a yeah. little. I'm like, oh man, I don't feel very good. You know, I don't feel up to par. I don't feel as, you know, you know, strong and as fit as I usually feel. Because I didn't take my multivitamin. If I, I miss I, a meal, I'm like, oh man, it's wrong. I've heard you other know? gym rats say the exact same thing. Yeah. And so. We were so regimented for so long. You know, I've been on the same meal plan, not the same. You know, we adjust it every single week. Yeah. I send a check-in to my coach every single week with pictures of myself and what I'm eating. Okay. And we adjust it every single week. Okay. We've been doing that for three years. Oh. Three okay. years straight. I can show you the emails. Literally, I had check-in every week for the last three years. Okay. And but, I mean, you yeah. kind of got to. That's kind of your job requirement. Exactly. Yeah. My yeah. body is my job. Yeah. 
Yeah, so. and also too, that's part of your credibility. Mm-hmm. You know, I right. guess it's like a psychologist wearing a suit and tie mm-hmm. or a pretty dress. It just mm-hmm. allows people to think, oh, this person is professional. They know mm-hmm. what they're doing. You know, it's yeah. a sign of professionality. Like you're not going to go to a financial advisor who is poor. Or yeah, broke. lives in a shack what do you in the know back. About finance. Yeah, <laughs> you know? unless it's Henry David Thoreau, then if he looks like a mess, then you realize, yeah, but he's still rich. You know, because right. he's right. okay. But okay, um, let's do another scenario. Uh, so let's say you have a 27 year old who realizes, okay, she's getting kind of out of shape, and she smokes, and she likes red wine, and she would really like to drop 30 pounds. Um, how would you help somebody like that? Start first with her mindset of, I want to drop 30 pounds. Okay. You don't want to drop 30 pounds. Okay. You know, like, yeah, you might, and it'll feel great, but you want to look better in the mirror, and you want to feel better in your clothes, and you want to feel better day to day. You want to be stronger, and you want to be able to, you know, go about your day and have more energy. Okay. It's not about the scale. Okay. Because that 30 pounds can include... You know, water weight, stress, hormones, especially with women, mm. you know, their hormones can go up and down and up and down throughout the month. And so they'll get bloated, you know, up to four to six pounds heavier in one day. Oh, and they're like, oh my gosh, what okay. happened? I had a client who was telling me about that the other day. She was like, I went up four pounds and then I just went back down four pounds. What's going on? <laughs> you know, okay. what is wrong with my body? So get the number out of your head, get the scale out of your head and start making small, consistent decisions. I know you said that she smokes. That's going to be the hardest one to take care of. Probably. Make a smart goal of like, I'm going to smoke this many and then this many and then just kind of taper that Taper. Down. You know, drinks. Give yourself, allow yourself time to drink because what you restrict is what you're going to binge on. Probably. So if you say, I can't smoke or drink, you're going to smoke or drink a lot more than you were before. Okay. If you tell yourself that you can't. Because if I tell you, don't look at the ceiling for the rest of this podcast. Right. Then you're going to want to look at the ceiling. ceiling. It's very hard not to. And then you're going to sit there and look at the ceiling for the entire time. And so, you know, when when people people quit things, like let's say somebody does want to quit smoking or or something along those lines. um, Do you have you had more success with having people taper or go cold turkey? It would definitely more be along the lines of tapering down. Okay. Um, because it's even still hard for me to follow my diet day to day. Sometimes I don't want to eat. Sometimes I want to go to Chick-fil-A instead. I live five minutes from Chick-fil-A. It's really hard. Yeah. <laughs> um, so take somebody who's, you said, 27. Yeah. You know, she's been, you know, instilling those habits in herself for this long. She's not right. just going to drop it, turn around and eat six meals of chicken and rice and broccoli a day. It's going to make her go crazy and she's going to gain 30 pounds instead of lose 30 pounds and then she's screwed. Okay. So you slowly start to take things out. You say, hey, eat one extra meal today. Hey, change your sodas to diet, you know, for a little bit. And then, you know, change those diet sodas to water. Slowly taper down, slowly make changes, monitor her, you know, keep her motivated. Get her in the gym, make her sweat about two to three times a week. Okay. You know, don't, you know, oh, I got to work out every day. I'm going to stop drinking. I'm going to stop smoking. Who has that ever worked for? Okay. Maybe so, David Goggins. Right, but right, no right. One else, yeah, you know? yeah. So, you know, you start making those small changes and then you just work with progressive overloads. So then you go one extra day. Then you include some extra sets and then you decrease certain variables and you increase certain variables. Okay. Decrease the bad variables little by little and then increase the good ones to where eventually she's created habits that have changed her lifestyle. Hmm. So it's and really about slow habit formation. Yeah. And you think if somebody does that with proper guidance for half a year to a year, they're not going to look drastically different and feel drastically different at the end of that 
it's going to be an amazing transformation if they're able to stick to it with the proper guidance. They'll, they'll probably be qualitatively quite different. Yeah. And, and then 30 pounds is going to go out of her head because I've had so many people that are like, man, I just, I, even, I think I gained a little bit of weight. I don't know what's happening. Like, I'm not making any progress. And I'm like, okay, well, let me ask you this. Are your clothes fitting better? Oh, yeah. Look at this skirt right here. It's, it's kind of loose. Okay. Are you stronger in the gym? Yeah, you told me I had the best leg day ever yesterday. Okay. Do you have more energy throughout the day? Oh, my God. I feel great. But you're not making any progress? And then they're like, no, I don't know what's wrong. Because like, they have that number stuck in it's their head yeah. from the scale. It's all, you know, it's and they're, they're not thinking about anything right. else because we've been, I don't know, trained like Pavlov's dogs yeah. to just yeah. fixate on that stupid number yeah. on the scale. So basically, it's slowly decrease the bad variables and slowly increase the good variables and just trade them off and develop a healthy lifestyle. Okay. You know, get rid of timelines, get rid of numbers, and just, you know start creating habits yeah okay so it's all about slow habit creation i want to make a million dollars am i gonna sell myself i want to make a million dollars in six months how do i do it no right i'm gonna invest a small amount of money over the next 40 years and build it up to a million dollars you know you kind of remind me with dave ramsey with that just with how you did your business because i think he worked at the radio show for something like seven years mm -hmm. before he turned a profit with it yeah. It was just a labor of love. And last time I looked him up, his net worth is something like $55 million. Mm -hmm. yeah. So that's pretty good for a guy who is bankrupt. Yeah. And I definitely like to look at guys who started, uh, you know, businesses when they were like, you know, 60. You know, it's never too late to get started. Yeah. And, you know, once you get started, you know, you may not see results immediately. Like I told you earlier, I'm just now reaping the benefits of everything I've done over the last seven, eight years because I've been, I didn't know it, but I've been creating habits. I've been disciplining myself. I have been building up my credibility. I have been building up my network and I have been like networking and talking to people and learning new things and experiencing new things that have all prepared me for what I'm going into right now. Awesome. Okay, let's do two more scenarios. Right. So let's say you got a 37-year-old. I went 17, 27, 37. Mm -hmm. Is happy with her life, but she's super busy, maybe overly stressed. Um, I usually don't like that word stress. I don't mm -hmm. think it's descriptive enough. Yeah. But she well, would kind of <laughs> like to get back into running and yoga. So she looks slender, but has body fat percentage that's just too high. Mm -hmm. What do you do with somebody like that? Uh, I would... Again, you know, she needs to, you know, running and yoga, those are all, you know, I don't like to say that, but catabolic exercises. Okay. Um, they're going to burn up a little bit of muscle if you're not eating right and recovering properly. And the number one thing that contributes to metabolism is one, your thyroid. And okay. And two, the amount of muscle you have on your body. Okay. I have like over 100 pounds of muscle on my body and, uh, you know... I'm going to burn a lot more calories throughout the day than somebody who has 50 pounds of muscle on their body. Right. Running in yoga builds zero muscle tissue at all. So Not even in your legs? To a certain extent, yeah. But there's also no progressive overload involved. Oh, okay. Good point. And it'll wear on your joints as well. Okay. And so you need to take care of your joints and you need to start building muscle tissue by lifting weights because lifting weights actually burns more calories than running. Okay. And yoga is great. Yeah, go ahead and do yoga because, you know, you, you need that stretch. It's a good stress reliever. But I'll tell you what's also a great stress reliever, lifting heavy weights. <laughs> it's, it's true. Pretty good to feel strong, especially with all of my women clients. 
there is a more of a fire in their eyes when they are repping out a heavy set on a workout than I've ever seen before. They look like they're training to avenge someone's death sometimes. <laughs> and especially if they have three or more kids. <laughs> they take it out on some T-bar rows. Because they love oh their kids, gosh. but the emotions are complicated. Yes. Sometimes you want to kill the kid, I suppose. Exactly. So and you can just you go can kill it in the gym. It. Yeah, you can see it in their eyes. So you say she looks slender but has too much body fat percentage. Yeah. It's because she's fallen victim to, one, a poor diet, stress, Stress increases cortisol. Cortisol tells your body to store fat in the midsection and holds water weight. So you get bloated. So stress, you know, I could talk all about, you know, lower your stress. It's a lot easier said than done. Right, um, so right. Yeah, what are you going to do? More running and not yeah, build up any muscle? Find ways around it. You know, like going to the gym and lifting weights, building up muscle tissue, increasing your metabolism, changing the way you diet, because I guarantee you if she's overly stressed, that means that you know, she's going to fast food drive throughs and not eating and, you know, it's wrecking her metabolism and she's not eating a very nutrient-dense diet, a micronutrient-dense diet. Mm-hmm. And so that just makes you feel really bad and it makes you feel down and depressed. But if she started switching to a diet that's high in vegetables and lean proteins and vitamins and nutrients and fiber and all this kind of good stuff, then she's going to feel a lot better and that's going to help stress couple that with lifting weights she's going to build up some more muscle tissue and the number one thing with women like this scenario is well, I don't want to get bulky it's like girl I have been trying for eight years to get bulky and I still don't think I'm that bulky yet it's really hard to do it <laughs> is hard man, to do so it is hard woman, to do yeah as a woman the number one way to look toned and lean and have that shape that you know women want whatever it may be is lift weights build muscle tissue and, you know, then you'll actually develop, you know, this type of body that you want. It's the muscle run, that run, creates run. the shape. Yeah, if you, it's the muscle that creates shape because you're building something up. If you just run and run and run and run, then you're going to run everything off. You're going to run off all of your muscle and your body's going to think you're starving it. Because, and then it's going to hold on to more body fat because it's like, oh, she's starving us. We need to hold on to body fat. We even need to create more body fat. And so then it's just going to hold it, hold it. It's going to wreck your metabolism because you're not giving it any food and you're running it off. And that all just compounds. And yeah, you're going to look skinny fat at that point. Okay, a vicious circle, basically. Our gym is about 70% women. All these women eat like a typical bodybuilder diet, you know, chicken, rice, oatmeal, stuff like that. And they lift like crazy. And they all look amazing. And and nobody looks like steroid girl. No. Every single woman, new woman that walks in that gym is like, oh my gosh, I want to look like her. And then they Mm. see her go work out and she's going to town on the weights I'm like, well, what do you eat? She's like, I eat carbs. And they're like, what? What? And they're like, you don't. <laughs> you eat carbs and you have abs? What? And then they're But I, I think when people think carbs, I think they're thinking sticky buns or something like no, that. Jasmine rice. Okay. <laughs> not right, right, right. You're like, yeah. when I think carbs, I think fruits, yeah. vegetables. You're not eating like you know, a I don't, bread diet. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think like, uh, yeah, those other yeah. type of carbs. That, but that I think most people are thinking yeah. about. So she needs to build up some muscle tissue. She needs to change her diet. And, you know, that's the starting point. You know, we won't get too crazy. Build okay. up some muscle, lift some weights, change your diet. Okay. You know, don't start too crazy. Last scenario, because I just think this would be very helpful for people. So someone is maybe between the age of 50 and 80, mm-hmm. but possibly even older. And this person is thinking primarily about lifespan mm-hmm. and health span. Mm-hmm. 
um, what this person really would like to do would live to be, you know, maybe 85, 90, 95, and really actually enjoy all these years, mm -hmm. like not have like a crash and burn at mm -hmm. the end, which is maybe unavoidable, who knows, but they would kind of like a list of 30 common tasks. Like uh, one might be carry 40 pounds up seven flights of stairs, mm -hmm. be able to do that kind of thing every mm -hmm. day. Yeah. Like, hey, I go shopping, I pick up some things, I want to take them upstairs. So that's what this person wants. Mm -hmm. They want lifespan, health span. Yeah. So an example of that is one time I had a client who was 77. 77. Her name is Doreen. She was the sweetest thing ever. She would walk to the gym and then she would go play tennis afterwards. But basically what we needed to do was get her body back in motion because it's simple physics a body at rest will stay at rest and a body in motion will stay in motion so one we had to get her moving so we were walking and walking and walking and stuff like that and you know once she started walking then i introduced a little bit of resistance into weights and you know people will say oh you know i can't squat because i have bad knees you know my aunt is a great example of this i train her she's over 60 and she says, oh, I have bad knees, I have bad back, I have all this, so I can't do this, this, and this. And I said, okay, well, we're going to start with that, that, and that. We're <laughs> going to start with squats, lunges, like, you know, wait, what? I'm like, okay, you got to build those joints back up. You want to be able to load weight on your spine and your joints. So we need to build them back up because, you know, someone, you know, an athlete that tears their ACL or messes up joints in their knee is going to go to physical therapy. The physical therapist is going to be like, all right, let's do squats, lunges, sled pushes, to build those joints back up. Oh, interesting. And so you, if you want to be able to load weight on your body and on your spine and on your knees, do exercises where you can progressively overload those joints and you know do it with proper guidance, you know, because there's a lot of things that can go wrong and do it with the proper equipment. For example, when I had my aunt squat, first we started with like bodyweight squats down to the bench, she was holding onto my arm and going down very okay. slow and I would help her back up. Yeah, so she's lifting no back. weights. She's yeah. just lifting her body and she's actually yeah. holding your arm. And I've got my hand on her back to make sure she stays upright and you know, okay. on how to tuck her chin so her spine stays in the neutral position. And then now we're squatting with a bar with no box under her because she has built up her joints and everything to be stronger and stronger and stronger. She's going to, you know, he's going to tear them down and then recover and then tear them down and then recover, build them back up. And she's going to ask her body to do bigger and better things as she goes. And her body's going to have to adjust. You know, I love this. I love this because anytime you see an athlete get injured, there's always a certain group of people who says, well, you basically should just rest. Mm -hmm. Like you shouldn't do anything with that muscle. Mm -hmm. You should sit on the couch. You should it's a great rest. Great way to have muscle atrophy. See, that's, that's what I've always wondered because, yeah, I just know. When I was running marathons, I almost never got injured. But occasionally, if I ever felt some pain, I just I came up with this phrase, running cures running. Mm -hmm. and, and I just thought, well, if I just go out there and run a little bit more, yeah. then I'll probably be fine. And, and, you know, and as a result, I ran 40 miles a week for 10 years. And I mean, that was too much. And now I kind of wish I hadn't done all that. I think I've ran 40 miles total. <laughs> ever. <laughs> well, I, I, now I'm into weightlifting and all that, but I, and I wish I would have ran three marathons and not four just for mm -hmm. the experience instead of 51. But, mm -hmm. but Hey, you know, live and learn, I yeah. guess, you know, yeah. so cool story. Okay. So, so, okay. You're going to help your clients basically kind of work on their mm -hmm. weak spots yeah. and it's going to be super guided so that they don't get injured essentially. Exactly. Yeah. And then they build it up. Because the first thing my said is, I can't lift over 20 pounds with my back. 
Last week she did uh, bent over dumbbell rows of 30s. Oh, wow. Wow. I said, throw that out the window. The doctor's just trying not to get sued. Yeah. I'll help you. Okay. I always thought this is another thing too, and this is maybe controversial for some people, but I always felt like there was a difference between the medical industry and the fitness industry Massive. in this sense. And, and, and I love them both. I've got three doctors in my family, mm-hmm. uh, two cousins and an aunt, and, and I definitely believe in the medical model. And I think the medical model is often here whenever somebody's got a problem. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I've got poison ivy. I should probably go get an antibiotic, you yeah, know, or it's not about fitness. Yeah. They or, shouldn't, you know, yeah, I've got a broken finger. So yeah. they're all about solving a problem. Yeah. So if you're in negative territory, they will bring you back up to mm-hmm. neutral. Yeah. And I always felt like no fitness is about making your life optimal. Exactly. You know, and that, that to me, I just, I love the difference. I between a 52 year old man and he came to me at 260 pounds. Okay. He weighed in at 219 a couple weeks ago. Granted, my personal training business has only been running for about six months. Okay, he lost 40 pounds in six months. Right. And That's pretty good. Completely naturally. And he wow. doesn't even follow my advice on diet. <laughs> he is stubborn as can be with diet. Okay. He doesn't follow my advice. Okay. Just from the way we work out. And he told me, he goes, oh, so I was talking to my friend or something or who was a nurse. And she was yelling at me and she was cussing you out because she said, you should not be working out three to four times a week. That is way too much. You should not be doing that. Your body cannot handle that. And I said, oh, what does she look like? Yeah. And Charles goes, she's a bit bigger. And I was like, exactly. Why are you going to take advice from that? I'm like, she is a crab in the bucket. It's, <laughs> it's a good story. And, and I just think, yeah, there's those crabs in the bucket out there. And you know, the, sometimes I think what's interesting about the crabs is they're not even sure why they're pulling down the other guy. Mm-hmm. It's just that the previous generation of crabs was pulling down the other mm-hmm. guy. Yeah. And so maybe we're just doing out of habits or something yeah, like that. Exactly. Yeah. But, but I, I still love the medical profession. I just have to say, I think they're great at solving problems mm-hmm. like oh, broken yeah. bones and things like mm-hmm. that. Okay. I kind of like to get into a little bit on nutrition, but then also too on stress reduction and sleep. Mm-hmm. So nutrition... I've spent a lot of time thinking about different dietary philosophies and trying them, like paleo, keto, Mm -hmm. carnivore. I was vegan for eight months, worst eight eight months of my life. Uh, Then, of course, there's vegetarianism. There's Whole30. There's just all these different things. What is your philosophy on nutrition, and is it a one-size-fits-all scenario with you? Uh, Not really a one-size-fits-all. I will always preach a balanced diet. And, you know, kind of just more of an evidence-based approach, you know, and scientific approach of, you know, what we do at our gym is kind of the cliche, smaller frequent meals that are balanced with protein, carbs, and fats. Gotcha. Simple. Gotcha. Okay. Um, The reason I And all natural for the most part. Yeah. I eat, like I said, beef, rice, oatmeal, little oxygen. Okay. We don't do anything. Some supplements. Yeah, like we do uh, naturally processed protein powders, multivitamins that are capsulated and shellated for absorption, and, you know, calcium and magnesium and vitamin C for oil. I could go on and on. Okay. I take like 20 pills in the morning. Okay. Um, and the reason I don't suggest fad diets, uh-huh. and I'll call them fad diets because that's exactly what they are, you know, um, is because a lot of times it's those people who are looking for a quick fix hmm. that want to start a fad diet. What the problem is, those fad diets are so restrictive that the types of people who are looking for a quick fix 
are not the types of people that are going to be able to stick to such a restrictive diet. Okay, so the diet itself might work in yeah, your mind. absolutely. But and the question diet, is... Yeah, every diet works. You know, let's say the number one goal here is to lose weight. So that's what we'll call works. Okay, okay. It works in a calorie deficit. Keto works if you're in a calorie deficit. Paleo works if you're in a calorie deficit. Intermittent fasting works if you're in a calorie deficit. Got it. And then that's when you got to, you know... Uh, customize it to what's your goal my goal is bodybuilding yeah build as much muscle as possible be as lean as possible and you know acquire good shape and everything like that and be strong so I need to eat consistently to feed my muscle tissue if I do intermittent fasting I would lose a significant amount of my muscle tissue Mm. my workouts would suffer my strength would go down my body fat might even go up but I'll lose some weight if I'm in a calorie deficit again Um, you know keto uh, keto's all right. You know, I basically am borderline keto when I'm prepping for a show because, okay. you know, you taper your carbs down so much at the end, you're basically keto, but I don't call it keto. Okay. So that's kind of my whole philosophy on the fat diets is like the best diet is going to be the one that you can stick to. Mm. It's not the one that works for you because the calorie deficit is going to work for everybody. Got but it. If somebody loves keto and loves the food on keto and is just die hard. Like, okay, do it if it's going to work for you. If somebody just loves the way they feel on intermittent fasting and they love the foods that they can eat and they love the style and it works for their lifestyle, do it in a calorie deficit. Um, but all this is sort of presupposing natural foods though, right? Oh, yeah. That's, that's the underlying thing. Yeah. Natural, like, I mean, everything I can make. put myself in a calorie deficit on Twinkies and Snickers. You could. You could and you would lose weight for yeah. sure. But I'd, you I'd feel horrible. Yeah. That. I would have <laughs> terrible nutrient situation, yeah. essentially. You'd be sluggish. You would not be strong. Your muscle would look flabby. You know, it's not going to be a good look. Okay. Well, then this kind of leads me into the concept of cheat day. Mm-hmm. Uh, because cheat day is, you know, controversial mm-hmm. with some people. There is a guy named Rob Wolf who has had all kinds of books and podcasts and he's super ripped and in great shape and he's 50 and he does jujitsu and all that. And he basically pointed out that you can't really cheat on food. Mm -hmm. He said, food always strikes back. Mm -hmm. Food has consequences. He said to cheat means to rip off or to take unfair advantage of. Mm -hmm. And he said, you don't want to do this, but you can cheat on your spouse. You can cheat your friends. You mm-hmm. can cheat the taxes. You can cheat your coworkers. Mm-hmm. You can cheat all kinds of people, but you can't cheat on food because mm-hmm. it's similar to gravity, and you can't cheat on gravity. It's in you. You can't get it out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Food has consequences. Mm-hmm. So, I, so what are your? But but people are also human, and they mm-hmm. want to eat a chocolate brownie or whatever. So, what mm-hmm. are your thoughts on cheat moments or cheat day or cheat millennium? Straight up, I do cheat meals, and I tell my clients to do to do cheat meals as well. Okay. Um, because of, you know, you look forward to it, and so it helps you stick to your diet. But they're regulated, you know. You don't go cheat day where you eat whatever you want in a day, and you know, because I had a client. I was like, okay, go eat a cheat meal. He went to Einstein Bagels and bought like thirty things oh. and just killed it all. And I was like, hey. <laughs> no, no. So my cheat meal is like, have you ever heard of Unforked? Yeah. It's a restaurant. They do like grass-fed burgers. Okay. Fries. You know, they just use you know like natural ingredients and stuff. Okay. I'll go do that, and then I'll get like a cookies and cream shake with it because oh, I love okay. that. Okay. And you know, and I'll tell clients to go do that just because it helps you stay on track with your diet. And as long as you do it in moderation and you do it 
you know, I say this a ton of times, but under the proper guidance and you don't just go crazy, then yeah, go ahead. And also, there is a thing, I might butcher this explanation, but I'm going to do the best that I can. Um, there was, I was listening to a guy talk about cheat meals and why they're beneficial for weight loss because uh, when you eat in such a big calorie deficit for such a long period of time, your body is going to stop producing what's called T3 and T4 to a certain extent. What What's you know, T3 and T4? T3 and T4 is the hormone your thyroid produces okay. that tells your body to burn calories. Okay. We're both burning calories right now through T3 and T4. Our thyroids are a gland in our neck that produces that. Um, and it's insulin dependent. Okay. So that is what's going to spark the release of T3 and T4 to a certain extent. And so when you are in a very big calorie deficit for a long period of time, your insulin sensitivity drops a lot. Okay. And so then you put in a Big Mac, some fries, and a shake, and oh my gosh, your insulin spikes through the roof. And that's um, not good, is it? Insulin it spiking through the roof? It, it can, can be. be. Okay, um, it can Because be. then your body will start to produce more T3 and T4 and light up, and it's going to go to town on that burger and fries you just ate, because it's going to be like, no, this is not where we're used to. Burn, burn, burn. And you're going to wake up leaner. Okay, so... Everybody so, at our gym who like you know, gets prepping for a show or loses a lot of weight and gets really lean, they go eat a burger and fries, they wake up and they're like, whoa, look at my abs. Wow. Because their body it spikes kicks. the increase of T3 and T4 oh. and it burns, burns, burns and it increases your metabolism for a second and then it, you know, spikes it and then it keeps you going because your metabolism will fizzle out if you're eating too low for too long. Okay. So occasional cheat day for physical health and then also you said for mental health. Oh, big one. And this kind of leads me to my next question then, which is, as a trainer, do you take other aspects of health into account? And I guess I'm thinking of things along the lines of how do people handle stress in their lives? Or, you know, do they have love and relationships in their lives? Is God a part of their lives? Mm -hmm. um, and just anything else you could think of. Yeah, there's a couple examples of this. And you said, is God a part of their lives? So I have this client who she preaches to women's prisons. Oh, okay. She is salt of the earth she's so sweet her uh you know her and her husband her husband's a christian singer he tours and he sings and stuff and so she made a comparison of faith and fitness and we were talking about how people give up because they're like oh fitness is just isn't working for me and she said that she runs across people who aren't you know very faithful because they just say oh god doesn't work for me okay do you believe that god can work for everybody that God can be present in everybody's life? I mean, I do, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So why why would fitness not work for everybody? Mm. You know, she made that comparison. She was like, yeah, God just isn't for me, so I'm going to quit. It's like saying, ah, oh, fitness just isn't for me, so I'm going to quit. So that's how she relates God and fitness. Okay. You know, she is a soldier of Jesus, she says, and so she fights for Jesus, and then she's also a soldier in the gym. She fights for what she wants in the gym because she believes that it can work. And so that's how she makes that comparison. I was like, oh, that's awesome. That is Anyways, pretty awesome. 12 lunges each leg, Naomi. Let's go. <laughs> and she was like, all right. And, uh, that's a good story. And yeah. have you told that to other clients? Um, I don't have a lot of other clients that are, you know, I try to, uh, 
you know, that I try not to talk about things like, you know, politics and religion right. and stuff because I want to keep that client relationship very solid. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to like press the wrong buttons, but if someone brings it up, absolutely. I'm going to talk about it. Gotcha. You know, gotcha. Um, and that's another thing. You got to separate a lot of things when you start your own business. Yep. Uh, you got to separate, like when someone, I had a client say, you got to separate church and state. You got to keep them apart. Okay. You know, because I've had, I've lost clients because we got too close mm. and things blew up and they got too comfortable with certain things and, you know, things happened and then I have had to let clients go. Okay. I've had clients leave me and, uh, you know, stuff like that. You just got to, too close. Got to maintain the professional relationship you have to a professional relationship but at the same time you have to build a lot of rapport with people and that's when it goes into what you were saying earlier how people handle stress i have a lot of people come in you know for example i had one client come in and she kind of was like tearing up a little bit already okay. as soon as she walked in the door telling me how she had a really bad day at work people were picking on her and she just wasn't in a good mood and so i let her kind of just cry it out for a couple of minutes she was my last client of the day. So I like, I got time. Let's go. You know, let's figure this out. Because at some point, it transcends just fitness. And it becomes like you're changing people's lives. And you are the, you know, X factor in whether they're going to be stressed or not. Because they, if they look forward to coming to you, you can't just be like, you know, trainer mode all the time. Like, go, go, go. you <laughs> got to step back, be human a little bit, hear them out, and then help them push through their problems. And then be able to let them use the gym as therapy. Because I used the gym as therapy, you know, in high school, you know, went through some stuff and, you know, just kind of started finding the gym. And whenever I was stressed out or mad about something or upset or, you know, like kind of wanted to cry about something, I would just go to the gym and work it out. And it's helped just, me my whole life. I've just, I've right. been in the weight room every day of my life, practically since I was 14 mm -hmm. years old. Yeah. And it's definitely helped me. Because you feel like you're in control and you're strong and you're powerful, not in like a bad way, like, oh, I'm powerful, right. I can beat people, right. you know, you feel more powerful and you feel better about yourself. And there's just something biochemically, it's like taking a walk yeah. on a nice day or something, there's just yeah. something that happens in your body Basically, that hits your brain. It's like a drug, so when you're working out, your cortisol actually like shoots through the roof, which is your stress hormone, because you're putting your body through stress, and then when you leave, that cortisol just washes away, and that oh. relief is like, now I feel good. Okay, so that's that endorphin rush people talk about afterward. Yeah, it's yeah. it's basically cortisol. No one's ever said, man, I wish I didn't do that workout. You know, that's true. And they used to say that in the running circles I was in too, is that people would say nobody ever regrets taking a run, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, so. And it's like, so with this client, you know, she was all stressed and, you know, then that kind of leads to like, I just don't think I'm disciplined enough to do this. And everything kind of starts falling apart. And she's like, I just... I'm tired of eating and I can't do this and I can't work out. And I'm like, you have been so consistent over these last couple weeks. I have seen you four times a week for these last however many weeks and you are sticking to the diet and you are eating good food and you're coming in time and time and time again. Every time you come in, you have a smile on your face and you're telling me that you're not disciplined. But she is. Like, that's more than 90% of people on earth can say that they do. You know, you know? She's been so consistent and, you know, she kind of like just took a step back and realized it. Was like, okay, I think I can do this. And we put her through the workout. And at the end, she literally, I was leaving, got in my car to drive away. She ran out the door and goes, Matt, wait, wait, wait. Thank you so much again for hearing me out. Like that really just changed my day. Made me a lot, made me a lot happier. Just thank you so much. You're a good friend. 
And on my birthday, she came in and she got me a cake. She got me plants. She got me like balloons, flowers. And she was like, happy birthday. And I was like, oh my gosh, sweet. Awesome. <laughs> and she got me a card. And so you really change people's lives as a personal trainer, not just physically, but like spiritually. You know, you really do know that you get them that way. And that's just cool. Yeah. That's just yeah. flat out cool. Okay. Maybe a few more questions in terms of time, sleep, and mm -hmm. just sports and anything else maybe I should have asked. What if somebody comes to you and says, Matt, I really do want to get in good shape, but I'm busy. I'm, I have too many obligations. I don't have time. What do you um, do? Blunt. That is the biggest excuse I've ever heard in my life. But Matt, I've got nine kids and I work two jobs. You, you can make time. You 100% can always make time to work out. There are people that work out at three in the morning before working two jobs. You know, There's always things that you can do to fit it into your schedule. Um, and once you tell people that and then they realize that, then people start to make time. Mm. Like if you give a task to the busiest person at your company, it's going to get done because they know how to get things done. And so they constantly take on more and more responsibility. You can take on more responsibility than you think. You can always take on more responsibility than you think. Right now, you know, I'm working, you know, 6 a.m. to 7 p.m., you know, meal prepping, maintaining a relationship, um, you know, doing all these things and still finding time to work out here and there, get my meals prepped for the week, eating six meals a day, you know, doing all that. And then also doing everything outside of my life that needs to get done with appointments and, you know, going and, you know, getting cars registered and going to the dentist and figuring out doing all this stuff. So you can always handle more stuff than you think. You just have to develop the habits that require, you have to develop habits of discipline, you know, and you just, you got to make it happen. You got to burn the boats. Okay. And you either do it or die. And you're going to inch, happen. you're going to inch them into it anyway. Absolutely. So, okay. What's the role of sleep? Sleep, um, sleep from a science based approach is like you regulate all your hormones when you're asleep. You know, when you reach a certain level of REM sleep, that's when your cortisol, estrogen, testosterone, progesterone, they all kind of balance out. And so if those get out of whack, then it's going to affect the way your body looks, the way your body feels, your strength levels, your recovery. So it's very, very important to have a consistent sleep schedule. And that's just from a science-based approach. And like you also, you can't go, you know, I was sleeping four hours a night for a little bit when I first started to blow up and I was getting angry. I was very on edge all of the time. Okay. It's not good. Because it's messing up like your that. mood. Yeah. You're not going to run a business on four hours of sleep a night. You know, I don't do the whole, you know, I'll sleep when I'm dead. Sleep is for the week. Got to grind it out. Working this many hours. They're like, no, get your rest. Get your rest. Prioritize it, please. I, I always think about, uh, there's a man, I'm, I'm not going to mention his name. He passed away, but he was a world figure of the 20th century. And he was one of the good guys. Uh, and he led the United States of America. But my understanding is, is that he slept... Uh, eight to nine hours a night, mm -hmm. every single night. And yeah, uh, when he passed away, just everybody thought he was wonderful and just thought he was a luminary. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, you just kind of wonder how did somebody who was that busy, who was a world historical figure, have time to sleep eight or nine hours a night? And, well, maybe that's he what... prioritized it and found the time. Yeah. Just like yeah. I was talking about earlier. Yeah. It's all about priorities. I have a lot of clients. And the reason I believe that time is not an excuse is I have... Uh, a lot of clients that tell me all about all these shows on Netflix that they're watching. <laughs> oh, I started this new show the other night. It's so good. Oh, I watched this movie and I watched this show and I watched this movie. And then a couple days later, I'll talk to them about meal prep. I'm like, well, I just can't find the time. Okay. And I'm like, 
how was that show on Netflix? Oh, it was great. And I started this one right after. Oh, but you don't have the time to prep your meals? No, it's crazy. I'm so busy. I'm busy watching Netflix. Busy watching Netflix. Busy relaxing and taking your time. You know, I have, you know, like one hour breaks every now and then between clients. That's when I have to get, I could easily take that. That's when I have to get things done. You know, that's when I have to go, oh, eat my meal. One hour break, try to get half of my workout in. Train a client, finish my workout. One hour break, go home and eat a meal. One hour break, make some meals for the next, you know, like you find pockets of time and you will always be able to find the time if you make it a priority. Okay. Um, my last question along these lines is this. Is there anything I should have asked you about today on any subject whatsoever that I failed to ask? Hmm. I mean, I think we covered a lot of it, you know. Definitely in the beginning, you know, said a lot of things that I feel need to be heard about, you know, finding what you love to do, figuring out what you're passionate about, burning your boats, going all in. That's the underlying theme of everything that I've done. Um, and just, you know, continue to learn, you know, just always be learning. Like you're a teacher. You've been a teacher for how many years? Uh, 30 something. Do you still learn every day? I try. I love to read. I literally just said, I saw your library. You have a million books in there. <laughs> like, what are you still trying to learn? Oh my God. Yeah. There's always stuff to learn. So, you know, I think, the, you know, we covered a lot of these questions and yeah. Okay. Okay. I can't think of anything, honestly. Uh, I'll give you my last question. This sometimes is my favorite question. We're going to look ahead 15 years from today. So let's just say that your life has worked out beautifully with mm -hmm. your business, with your fitness, with your relationships, everything. Mm -hmm. What does it look like 15 years from today? So I really look up to my coach, Brian. He has, we're very, very different. We're completely different people. But, you know, kind of the foundation of what he's built his life around, I really look up to and am inspired by. Uh, he has this massive client base because he opened this gym and it just started flooding in with people because of how he treats people. So I want to be the type of person that can treat people the same way he does to where they follow me wherever I go and they're inspired by me and, you know, their lives are changed by me. That's the underlying theme of what I want my life to look like over the next couple of years and I'm building those roots right now and I'm building up that foundation, that clientele, that community right now. I want to build a community that people can come and be a part of and, you know, open my own gym one day and kind of run it and have a place where people can go. Because, like, we have so many different people at our gym and everybody knows everybody's name and everybody cheers on everybody while they're working out. Like, someone who's never been to the gym a day in their life will go and do, like, our hack squat machine, which is, like, the craziest leg workout we have. And we love to watch people do it. Someone who's never worked out a day in their life and literally has no weight on it. You know, you'll have professional bodybuilders and, you know, 13-year-old kids and then old people coming over going, let's go, let's go, you got this. And, like, everybody just loves to be around each other. So I want to build that up as well as I want to, you know, succeed in the other relationships I have in my life. You know, I want to be, you know, I would like to be married to my girlfriend and, you know, having a life there. And we talk about that all the time. Like I said, we're moving in together soon and we're, you know, taking those next steps. And I want to build that up and have a very good relationship there in a strong relationship where we both succeed and we both build each other up. I want to still be close with my family. You know, I want to have a good life for, you know, if I have children in 15 years, you know, I want them to be able to know that they can do whatever they want and dad's going to be there for them and support them like my dad did. And so, you know, all of that, no really material things like, 
Yeah, I very much enjoyed material things. I bought my first car. It was a Camaro. I bought that uh, before my 22nd birthday. That was just kind of like a go me kind of gift. And it's cool. I enjoy driving it around, but I noticed as soon as I bought it, I was like, all right, what's next? The thrill kind of wore off rather quickly. So quickly. I was like, okay, what's next? And I was like, wow, am I really just going to chase whatever's next for the rest of my life? So yeah, the car is cool and I love it and it motivates me to keep going. It motivates me because I have to make the payments <laughs> as well. <laughs> That's very motivating because I have rent at the gym and I have rent in my apartment. I have the payments on my car and I have, you know, membership and stuff. And so that's my motivation to keep making money. But my motivation to be happy in life is all of the other things that I want from my life. Matt, this has been absolutely inspiring and amazing. And uh, you've just turned into one hell of a man. I appreciate that. And I, I just, I really appreciate yeah. this. So thank you so yeah. much. Thank you for listening to Seemingly Ordinary. The next episode will be back on Tuesday or Thursday.